Hello, Herd, and welcome to another episode of the Clone Wars Rewatch here on Nerd Herder. I'm your Herd Leader, John Wayne. I'm dead inside. Alrighty then, that that's uh, some news. Anyway, um, I am here with the ghost of Herd Mom, Megan, uh, <laughs> to talk to you guys about... <laughs> so spooky. Uh, to talk to you guys, we're uh, talking about Mortis, finally. Lay almond um, joys up my grave. What? Lay almond joys up my grave. <laughs> Don't give me flowers, give me almond joy. I can't enjoy them, but I like looking at them. It's true. Um, yeah, so Mortis, we finally uh, have gotten to Mortis, and it was uh, this episode, uh, or these groups of episodes that inspired our binge uh, a few weeks back, just to, you wanted to get there, and we got there, mm. and I think you partially regretted it. Um, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a bit of a roller coaster, and so that's why, um, if you haven't heard us talk about it uh, in the past couple of episodes uh, this week, we will be splitting Mortis a little bit. So we're going to talk about all the episodes today. We're not doing a part one, part two deal necessarily, but so this episode though, we're kind of trying to stick mostly to what we thought of the episodes, what goes on in the episodes, and so forth and so on. And we'll take separate time in next week's main show to just really run down the rabbit hole of the mythos and what certain things mean and the interpretations and the metaphors and the connections and yeah. all of the stuff that's packed into these episodes. Because um, there's a lot. Yeah, and and... It would have been difficult to get everything in a Clone Wars rewatch. Mm -hmm. So, true to the rewatch, we wanted to talk about the episodes and the extra stuff we want to take into the main show. Um, and that way it opens it up wider. We don't have to rush. We can hopefully, you know, comfortably talk about everything yeah. uh, and not neglect some of the details of the episode and behind-the-scenes stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. So, this is a lot more of just initial about the episode kind of discussion. Mm -hmm. Wednesday is going to be much more, you know, uh, dive into the mythos um, and what Mortis sort of means for everything else. And we'll even talk about some of the Mortis legend stuff and so forth and so on. Excluding so, Rebels. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. we, we will have to... <laughs> we're going to have to revisit Mortis a little bit when we get to um, the end of Rebels a bit. But... Um, yeah, that's that's for the Rebels rewatch. Mm -hmm. Which uh, is happening. Yes. So that'll probably be sometime um, next year by the time we get to that season. So, anywho. Uh, but uh, for what we know now about everything, we're going to talk about um, these episodes. We're going to break down more Wednesday. So if we don't talk about something here, don't yell at us. Wait until Wednesday. And then if we don't talk about it, then you can, then yell, you at can yell at us. But wait till Rebels, and then you can yell at us. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh yes, always keep in mind if we neglect if if it seems like we're neglecting something from uh rebels, you know, uh, or if if it seems that we don't go that far, it's just because Moo hasn't hasn't seen it yet. How dare so. you call me my Heard Mom Moo in front of all of these people. <laughs> um Heard Mom has not gotten there yet and yeah, well. and so we don't want to spoil that yet. Uh we're trying to just get through the roller coaster that is the Clone Wars rewatch. Yes. So, without further ado... Yeah. Um, Strap in, ladies and gentlemen, because we got a lot to unpack. Yes. Ladies, gentlemen, whatever. And we're only gonna we're only gonna unzip it. <laughs> we're 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 not even we're not even uh, taking the socks out the suitcase. That's the duck on the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> 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 uh, 
All right, so um, the Mortis Gods arc, or the Mortis Trilogy, whatever you want to call it. Um, Mortis, less of that. Really, we don't get the Mortis Gods terminology until Rebels, but I like that terminology. Um, because, I mean, they kind of present themselves like that. So, uh, that's what I decided to call it. But it begins with Season 3, Episode 15, Overlords. Mm-hmm. The cat is nearby me and is snoring. Sorry, I had to make sure she wasn't, like, you know, dying or anything. We're gonna have to <laughs> listen to this back and, and see if you can hear. Because <laughs> she snores um, so loud. So, yeah, Season 3, Episode 15. Sorry, that's what goes on in the life of uh, a podcast with podcasts. Yes. Uh, you, you just, you gotta stop and check on the kids every now and then. You got one in the box, we got one on the couch, asleep and snoring. Yep, so. Like, it, there's a lot going on. We, we actually drugged their catnip earlier just so we could be able to record. That's <laughs> not true. No, it's not. Don't report us to PETA. Goodness gracious. PETA can't do nothing. Don't want PETA coming after us. They went after Steve Irwin, so nothing's sacred. Uh, they're dead to us now. <laughs> uh, well, they were dead before. Anyway. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Uh, so the moral for this episode is, and this is the the kicker of the whole uh, trilogy, um, balance is found in the one who faces his guilt. Mm. And, you know, this obviously has airs of the redemption of, of Anakin mm -hmm. um, and whatnot. And I don't care what people on Twitter are saying. I don't know why there was this resurgence of, you know, like, uppity film critics on Twitter recently who all had the same opinion that Vader wasn't really redeemed and all this other stuff. Vader was redeemed. That's how the story goes. Yes. And this kind of echoes that in the sense of him facing what he's done and who he was and who he can be again. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting that they chose this one for the first episode, though. The yeah. quote, Because... There's a lot going on. I mean, I see a little bit, but I, I think this very much fits more with the the, the last episode, mm -hmm. um, since that deals a lot more with with Anakin and whatnot. But spoilers, we'll get there later. In um, like ten minutes, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, we got a lot to unpack. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, a mysterious force draws Anakin, Obi Wan, and Ahsoka to an unknown location, and they will soon learn that it is to determine if Anakin is truly the Chosen One and who will keep the Force in balance. Uh, they are lured in with an old Jedi code. Uh, it's an old one, but it checks out. <laughs> Basically. There was, there was that vibe. And they're, and they're driving a... a or driving. They're piloting a shuttle that looks like the Theta class. Yeah. So it's, it, it, I, I liked the parallels there a little bit. I thought that was funny. Yeah, apparently... Only they see this as Rex and Cody are supposed to be at the same exact coordinates and see uh, no giant space diamond, and which I forgot to mention up there. <laughs> I skip. They they come upon a giant space diamond. Yeah. And think, Rex and think, Cody can't see it. Think like a, a crooked board cube. <laughs> yes. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, it's all it's well, it's kind of like a Star Trek episode to me, a, a next gen style. It Star Trek. <laughs> the I know I say that a lot. Did it. The Simpsons did it. I know I say that a lot, but it it it, it did. Well, I mean, it's 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 very much that plot of yeah. You know, go out to an unknown location and nothing like this happened in Star Trek. Oh yeah. Well, this is this is spiritual Star Trek episodes. Yes. In the sense of like, if Star Trek was less science, more spirit, this is what you would get. Yes. Because um, it's very much 
that. And and almost, I mean, the, the Mortis gods almost have this Q feel a little bit. Less mischievous yeah. and fun, <laughs> but uh, definitely... Oh could you imagine if the father was Q? <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, I don't think I could get through the episodes, but... Um, That's right, you don't like Q. I don't. I really don't. But, um, yeah, it definitely felt very next-gen Star Trek. Mm -hmm. um, oh, gosh, what was yeah. the other thing I was thinking it felt like? It's very Twilight zone -y. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. It's, it's very much, cause especially, you know, spoiler alert, they wake up in the end almost like it never happened. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, it's, it leaves you questioning what was real, what wasn't, and what does it mean. And I think that's exactly what they wanted mm -hmm. <laughs> from these episodes. They didn't want you to know any, you, they wanted to answer some questions and make more questions and not answer anything. Yes. <laughs> and and so, um, and I think I, I think they did a good job. Oh yeah, they did a great job. Uh, from the moment the trio walk into the strange planet? Question mark? Um, I'd always, just to kind of talk about that, I'd always interpreted this as a very Halo-like um, place. Ah, Master Chef. <laughs> yes. So, um... Uh, Master Chef and Sous Chef Cortana. On <laughs> so the ring, it looks like a ring from orbit, just a very yeah. spacey techno ring. But then, as you get closer and as you land on it, on the inside of the ring is essentially a planet. If you like, when you land on the ring, there's you know, well, it like when you're playing the game and you're like, oh, I'm on Earth. No, you're on the ring. Uh, and that's kind of a Noah's Ark style to it because it's meant to be the preservation of what was previously destroyed by the firing of the Halo Rings. So, that to say, this gives me a similar vibe in the sense that I think they're inside the QB thing. I don't uh -huh. think it was like a portal that transported them somewhere else. I think it's a similar Halo effect in the sense that there's kind of a living planet inside that entity we i mean i don't even want to know no i don't want to i don't want to categorize it as technology so much mm -hmm. i feel like it's almost like holocrons in the sense that they're tech but they're kind of connected to, to the force yeah. so you it, it you don't want to call it tech because it's mystic-y you know what i mean I could not be farther from knowing what you mean. <laughs> Somebody out there help me. Uh, I have never once played a Halo campaign. So basically, in Halo, you think you're on a planet, but really you're on the ring. Okay. And I think, in this instance, they think they're on a planet, and we think, we interpret it as they're on a planet, but I think they're inside the diamond. And I think the diamond is some mystic tech, like holocrons, in the sense that... They're on the holodeck, gotcha. Well, no, <laughs> kind of. But it's a real thing. Right. Well, yeah. yes. We're, or we're led to believe it's a real... Like, I think, yes. I think the earth under their feet is real dirt. I think the trees are real trees. I think yes. everything is real. Um, but I think that it's all kept alive by the force. I don't think it's really real. I mean, it's the uh, same thing with Halo. The None of that stuff is really real. It's created by the halo so like the other mothers uh world in Coraline. yeah kind of like she yeah. made all of that that's yeah. that yeah yeah 
Okay, I got it. So if, if the other mother was the Force and her world was the planet, quote-unquote, where Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Ahsoka are. Yeah. Yes. So it's like the Force has created a, quote-unquote, world, mm-hmm. and it lives within the diamond. That was like ten minutes of just talking <laughs> it wasn't about a ten, that. It wasn't ten minutes. It was like a five-minute conversation of well, you just trying well, to explain first of all, what's if, going on. It, but yeah, but well, that's mostly because you didn't understand what I was trying to say. Yes. Because I was just so intelligent. <laughs> but, uh... Get that out of here. <laughs> my point is to kind of... I mean, I don't know. Maybe that should have been saved for the Wednesday show, but my point is... Probably. I, that's my interpretation of where they are. We're going to call yeah. it a planet. Uh, I'm going to call it Jeffrey. Sure. Why not? Okay. So they land on Jeffrey. <laughs> uh, and it gets weird. It gets real weird real quick. Uh, they quickly meet a glowing force woman... With green hair and a very pretty dress. Mm-hmm. And she, her name is The Daughter. Or the, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she is introduced when she asks Anakin, are you the one? Very forcefully. I liked, I liked the intro, though. Yeah, it was cool. Because it starts as a voice, and then we see <clears throat> her. Yeah. And Anakin has the appropriate response of just, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, after some convincing, she begins leading the trio to her father, uh, saying that he will know what to do. Along the way, Anakin and the daughter are separated from Obi-Wan and Ahsoka, and Anakin is told to wait, and the daughter leaves. But, of course, in the Skywalker fashion, he does not listen. Of course. Well, I mean, I, I don't think he was meant to. No. I don't I don't think he was meant to wait there. And I think, honestly, if he had, what, I, it, it wasn't a safer option. Mm-hmm. So, I think, I think... I'm not necessarily saying that Anakin felt like the Force was telling him to go after her. Mm-hmm. Or maybe maybe so. I, mean, I don't know. But I definitely think that he was kind of meant... I think he was meant to. Yeah. Because, I mean, we see he eventually discovers the father, so I have to think that that was the point. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. Uh, Obi-Wan and Ahsoka head back to the ship because we see in front of their very eyes the planet is starting to die and deteriorate. And I love... I love the imagery of this. Oh yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, they kind of talk about it more later, but it's very Last Jedi visualization of the light and dark. Yeah. You know, um, the life and death and, and all this other stuff. And I thought I think that's a really cool way to show balance, is mm-hmm. they're both existing. Yeah, you, you cannot know. have one without the other. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the two arrive... Back at the landing site just as night falls, only to discover that their shuttle is gone. Dun, dun, dun. Someone did a spooky. Uh, they're introduced to the son, who asks Obi-Wan whether Anakin is the real chosen one or not. Uh, the son warns them about the dangers of the night in some very dulcet tones, and the Jedi are forced to seek shelter for the night. John, who is the son? Uh, the son is the dark side. Yeah. Um, a.k.a. Sam Witwer. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's really cool because it's like this uh, Force Unleashed reunion because um, Sam Witwer enters into the Clone Wars for the first time. Um, we will see him again, or hear him again, rather, later as Maul, but here he plays the son in just an amazing display of why this guy is an amazing actor. Yes. And take away the visuals of him, you know, you see, you do not see Sam at all, but you feel it. 
mm-hmm. all through his performance. It's yeah. it's phenomenal. Um, but um, also, um, Adrian Wilkinson it plays the daughter, who also played Maris Brood in The Force Unleashed, uh, which is pretty cool. You should really play those games, huh? Uh, well, Maris Brood is a young Padawan who actually falls prey to the dark side. Sick. I don't think there's any... No, no symmetry with with that, but I just thought I think I thought that was interesting. She's gotten to play both sides, mm-hmm. um, so she's the one with the um, guard sabers. Ah, um, gotcha. Yeah, um, so yeah, and in if you haven't seen anything of Sam Witwer's acting, you can look up on YouTube behind the scenes of him as the son and Maul and all this other stuff. And I mean, he's. You know, He's incredible. most voice actors are physical. We don't ever see that, but they they <clears throat> they are physical because it's hard to inflect emotion mm-hmm. on certain levels without moving everything. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just stand there and do that sometimes. Yeah. Um, and and you see that in Sam's work, especially like if you look up um, stuff when he plays a manic mall, which you'll you'll be able to hear it. I know you aren't there yet, but you'll hear it in his acting. Yeah. But to see him, he looks like Maul. And, and it's really interesting to sh- to, to sh- uh, see those side by side. To see Maul mm-hmm. and see him playing Maul and the acting that's happening with his entire body. Mm-hmm. Sam's just one of those voice actors uh, for me, you know, just golden yeah. tier. Yeah. Um, and not just because he played Starkiller, one of my favorite, uh, characters. He's also one of those people who doesn't look like it, but he's a giant nerd. Oh gosh, yeah. He looks like the guy that could be a nerd and then beat himself up for being a nerd. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, uh, oh man, I don't remember his name. Well, I mean, Freddie Prince Jr. too. Yes. And those dudes, they're bros, like, they're, they're super bros, and it is so adorable. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I I think I've made clear before. I'm a I'm a you love Freddie Prince. Jr. I am a Whitwer uh, fanboy, and we're meeting both of them at Celebration, <laughs> and I am excited. Yeah. Um. So Anakin eventually finds his way to a monastery and finds an old nun that hits him with a ruler. <laughs> wow. no, wrong, wrong monastery. Wrong monastery. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, he finds an old man though meditating in the center of the room and he is flanked by giant stone griffin on one side and a gargoyle on the other side and what looks like a scale in the center the old man the father is just as curious as the daughter and the son about whether anakin is the chosen one and plans to put him to the test if he passes he and his friends can leave this sounds familiar (laughs) uh now things get spooky as night falls guys uh obi-wan is visited by Qui-Gon, I exploded when that happened. <laughs> uh, Anakin is visited by his mother. I cried. <laughs> and Ahsoka is visited by her future self. Ahsoka, yay. <laughs> and uh, it's very trippy and emotional. Yeah, so so um, not necessarily getting into mythos therapy territory i mean you kind of already talked about but like just for you seeing Mm -hmm. what what's kind of like two worlds coming together yeah for some iconic characters what what was that like for you yeah 
I kept wondering why you were looking over at me for <laughs> a while, and then Qui-Gon shows up, and I was stunned and overdroid at the same time. Overdroid? Shut up. <laughs> you know what I meant. Is that a droid bar? Yeah, yes. I want to take you to a droid bar. <laughs> oh, goodness. That that went off the rails. But, yes, uh. it did. But yeah, I was very happy to see Qui-Gon, and then Shmi showed up, and I started sobbing. <laughs> yeah. And it's worth it's worth mentioning um, that it, you know, it's emotional for a lot of reasons. For yeah, us. and it's um, with Shmi, it depends on your point of view. Mm-hmm. There, there's a lot there that's emotional because it's Shmi, but it's also not Shmi. It's actually revealed to be the sun, and I love, I love the very horror esque. Uh, revelation of that where the lightning cracks and you see the gargoyle and then disappear like mm-hmm. that was really that was very cool Dave I know Dave Filoni's like directing um you know from behind the scenes with a lot of the episodes yeah but this and um assassin and um uh goodness the Geonosian zombie yeah uh episode those these three really show off how Normal can be made scary real easy. Oh, yeah, With definitely. tone and lighting. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, I mean, that's a whole other conversation, but it's worth appreciating. I, I, I loved that very, you know, watching that the first time, that was that was a jump scare for me. Yeah. Because it was just, like, you start to feel things aren't right, and then in a very big flash, it just all comes revealing. And you can only imagine what it's like for Anakin. Yeah. So. Yeah. Poor boy. He's got so much going on. Yeah. And I thought it was great. That it was Pernilla August and Liam Neeson. I yep. thought, you know, that was the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, Fred Tattashore did Qui Gon for a couple of lines in the 2003 series, mm-hmm. and I thought he did great. He's also my favorite Megatron voice, and that's <laughs> sacrilegious, I know. It's not Frank Welker, but. Didn't you meet him? Who? Fred Tattashore? Yeah. Who did you meet? Um, oh gosh, Peter. Uh, I met the guy that Peter played Spider-Man. Optimus in Transformers Robots in Disguise, the original, because these kids these days have Robots in Disguise, and it's not R.I.D. Transformers R.I.D. is Transformers anime, basically. Um, but yeah, he played Optimus uh, in that. I've met um, the guy that played uh, Ravage from um, Beast Wars, mm-hmm. which was really cool. You met Starscream. Um... Yes, I met. Oh gosh, which Starscream? The did one he play? that played Starscream. I don't know. I don't watch Transformers. I want to say he played Starscream in one of the games, and it sounds terrible that I haven't. I can't remember this, but this was many, many years ago. Yeah. Um, I think he played Starscream in one of the games. Mm-hmm. Um, in one of the, it, it was the movie Starscream that he played in. I think one of the Transformers games. Yes. But. Um, I'll take your word for it. Anyway, so uh, I think that Fred did a good job in that instance. Very, yeah. very brief. But Qui-Gon gets some lingering Yeah. when he shows up. And I feel like it was definitely necessary for that to be Liam to be right. It was also, I mean, having, I, I can only imagine what James Arnold Taylor, I mean, normally with Clone Wars, you know, they record in the same room. Yeah. Work off of each other and, and whatnot. I don't believe that Liam Neeson did come in for that. I think he yeah. kind of maybe did his own thing. Regardless, knowing you're doing lines across from 
Liam Neeson. Yeah, that's incredible. Like, it's one thing to be like, oh man, I'm playing Obi-Wan. I'm playing a very sacred character. And then having that character that you're playing, who's based on a pretty strong actor, you know, Ewan McGregor, and then you're doing lines now with Liam Neeson. Yeah. You know, Qui-Gon Jinn. It's like, ooh, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then later, you know, I, you know, Anakin has some lines. And for Matt Lane, you know, it's one of those things, Hayden Christensen's Anakin never got to meet Qui-Gon. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean Anakin didn't, but it, it, yeah. it's significant that Matt Latner got to do what Hayden Christensen didn't. Yeah. And got to play an Anakin in a moment of, why couldn't you be my master? You know, like... Yeah. It, it's a lot to unpack, but that comes later, but... Coming soon. Yes, the, the dream sequences, you know, and with with Ahsoka, I thought it was really cool yeah. how the sun kind of um, threatened her to be careful of Anakin. I thought that was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it makes me wonder how much of that stuck with her. Yeah. Because as we'll talk about later... It's not clear. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I'll say, watching this, which of course it's my first time. Yeah. Um, this is the moment where I realized, this is going to be a huge problem for me. <laughs> this is going to be something special. <laughs> and, oh, boy, you mean like the You mean the episodes and such? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, and it's not, it's not fan service. No. It's, it's necessary. Um, I don't think that they could tell this kind of story without bringing in some of these elements. And I think it's very ballsy of them to want to tackle this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, especially since this is, you know, sold off to be a show of... It's the Clone Wars, it's action, it's, you know, clones versus droids, and Jedis being heroes, and blah, 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 you know. And, obviously, we're not saying that's all it is, but that's kind of, on the surface, what it's presented as. Yeah. And then, I mean, this season especially, we start to get past that. Yeah. We start to feel, you know, bad for the villains. We start to, you know, see um, the fault in our heroes, and now we're starting to really explore the spiritual side of all of this stuff, and you don't expect that in, quote-unquote, the Clone Wars. Yeah. You expect war and action. And <clears throat> there'll be plenty of that. <laughs> oh boy, will they? Will they? Will they? Jeez. But yeah, this was this was one of three arcs. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the first box checked of arcs that I've, I've been dying to show you, so. Yeah. You've got, I think, like three weeks three or four weeks till the next one and then at least a couple months till the next one okay i can't wait to see my trash son again for the for the people that don't know uh, one of them involves umbara which is why in a previous episode where umbara came up i had said don't talk about umbara so continue to not speak of umbara or the lost missions what because, yeah exactly those are the things that i'm waiting for you i will i will bring you so many boxes of tissues. <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> yes, you do. No. Yes, you this do. Was a, this was hard enough. Uh, anyway, uh, Anakin confronts the father, and that's when it is revealed what we are dealing with. Uh, the father describes himself as, and his children as simply force wielders. 
he says they became anchorites. Right? Right. Anchorites. Anchorites. Uh, because their power in the force. Basically, they are religious hermits. Uh, he controls his daughter and his son, who present the light and the dark. Since father is dying, he wants to know if Anakin is the one who can take his place. And the next morning, Anakin faces his test. The son has kidnapped Ahsoka and the daughter has kidnapped Obi-Wan. And they will kill his friends unless Anakin can stop them. Anakin taps into the power of the Force and the planet and subdues the two children of the Force and frees his friends. But when the offer is on the table to take the father's place, Anakin refuses. But the father is true to his word and lets the Jedi leave. But to the foreboding tune of the Imperial March. Uh, and that's how we know this isn't quite the end of Mortis. Other than the fact that we know this episode has, or this arc has three episodes. Well, we know that now. Yes. I mean, in original airing, this was kind of a breath of, <coughs> okay, maybe this is done. Yeah, I um, apologize for my coughing. I'm currently dying. Hashtag not sorry. Sorry, not Due sorry. Due to personal reasons. <laughs> Due to personal reasons. I'm hacking along. Um, yeah, so something interesting to take note with Mortis, and it's probably why it's so weird, um, is because it's a product of George Lucas. That you says know. a lot. Um, you know, sometimes people forget, you know, George was over Filoni in this and worked regularly with, um, the details of the Clone Wars, and usually things would come about because he would come to Filoni and say, hey, I want to do this thing, and then they would have to figure out how to do it. And, I mean, you know, we already discussed, it was Lucas's idea to bring back Maul, and that's why we got Savage. Um, and here, he wanted to explore the Force, uh, and explore these characters that embody the Force in some way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really worth taking note of, and it's going to be a big point in our deep dive, because I'm not one to say that George Lucas is the only and affirmed source for Star Wars. Yes. Meaning, just because George said it doesn't mean that's the way it is or it always has to be. Yes. It depends on what actually develops in the story. I'm also not one to say that what George Lucas has to say now about what he intended bears much meaning on what is actually happening in the movies. Mm -hmm. Meaning, if George Lucas comes out and says, you know, that's not how the Force works, but it's in the movies, I'm going to go with the movies. Yeah. Because that's the authority. Um, I know that might not be everybody's favorable opinion. I know not everybody necessarily agrees with that. My, my biggest thing is, I don't think everybody has to give George Lucas such God-level weight to his mm -hmm. word. But, that said, I think knowing that this came about from George Lucas, it, it gives us a peek into what he was thinking yeah. of exploring in what the Force actually is. Yeah. It's not... Now, I don't think that that's going to be any different because we saw the Mortis gods appear in Rebels, meaning that still has a, a connection to the greater story. Yeah. So I don't think it's like, oh, George isn't here, we're going to sh shut the door on everything George wanted to do or thought. But I think that knowing this is... Um, George's baby a little bit tells us, or it, it gives us a peek in his squishy brain of what is the force, you yeah. know. Um, 
it's it's the same thing of like it and it it's not because his word is authority it's because i just think it's freaking interesting yeah like especially you know in recent um last sometime last year you know he talked about okay this is what my sequel trilogy would have been i would have explored the force more and talked about mini chlorians and gone microscopic and all the it's all the stuff that no one would have been interested in and he knows that and i feel yeah. bad for the guy but that that would have been his story. Yeah. Star Wars at this point, although it was started by him, pioneered by him, given, you know, what it has mostly now by him, it's no longer his story. Mm-hmm. Star Wars is Star Wars, in my opinion. It's not Kathleen Kennedy's story. It's not, you know, Matt Martin's <clears throat> story. It's not Pablo Hidalgo's story. It's Star Wars is Star Wars. It's not just the Skywalker story anymore. Right. Well, and I think overall we just have to get off this idea that it's any one person's story. Yeah, it's like the Force. The Force belongs to everyone. Yeah, it's a melody. And so, um, with, you know, we have to get away from this idea that, okay, George Lucas set up all this stuff in Mortis and blah, blah, blah. That's the way it is. That's what this means. And I think there's a lot of interpretation. And I think Dave Filoni is very clear on that if you watch some of the behind-the-scenes interviews with Filoni talking about these episodes, I think he's very clear that there's a lot of interpretation to be had. We're we're not giving anything solid or definitive. Um, You know, but if you kind of want to know what goes on in Lucas's mind when it comes to what is Star Wars, Mm -hmm. I think the Mortis arc is probably one of the closest images of if George could tell a story about the Force, Mm -hmm. what it would kind of look like. You know, yeah, and this arc is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and and I think that's because there was balance to George's vision. I think, I think that's the big thing to keep in consideration. With uh, that, that was not on purpose. Yes, it um, was. <laughs> if it was, it was, it was uh, just involuntary. But um, I th- I think George's vision is fantastic for the Force. Yes, for Star Wars. For heroes, for villains, all this other stuff. I think, though, George needs balance. And and, and that's why, again, I, I think that it's not any one person's story. Mm-hmm. To say that the Force and Star Wars belong to George, you know, it's hubris. I mean, it's the same argument Luke had about the Jedi. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's really interesting to keep in mind, this is Lucas. This is a lot of just Lucas saying, I want to do that. And it happening, you know. I'm surprised that the sun didn't wear flannel, you know. <laughs> Your George voices. <laughs> Special. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, 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 you know, watching these again, you know, with you, it was, it was just interesting to keep in mind of like, hmm, I can't believe George wanted to do that or go there or say it that way or, you know. Yeah. It's just, he took some interesting <clears throat> leaps. And, but I think that with balance of the director and with actors and with Dave Filoni, you know, with them working alongside Lucas, I think that's how we got such an interesting arc. Yeah. Yeah. So. We are 35 minutes in. We haven't even finished talking about the first episode. No, we're finished. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we just finished talking about the first um, episode. I mean, I didn't, I didn't really have a... I don't... I mean... I didn't have a huge point yeah. in that whole bit. Mostly just a mention of it's really interesting because it's George Lucas's brainchild. Yes. But 
don't treat George Lucas like the god of Star Wars and take everything George says as the thing. Yes. Because George has been contradicted, you know, things have been rewritten, you know, um, but, you know, just keep in mind that Star Wars doesn't belong to any one per person and the Force doesn't belong to any one person or, or one side. And I think that's going to be something we dive into in the deep dive. Yeah. Uh, is how, how this goes alongside with our understanding of the Force a little bit more. Yeah. Give me that moral, John. For what? For the next episode. Well, we can't get to the next episode yet. Why? Because we're getting a transmission from the Bacon Clan. Oh! Uh... Boop, 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 boop. Hey guys, so this week uh, for the Amazon deals uh, that you can find in the description of this episode, we've got the usual stuff like a free trial on Prime, a free trial on Audible, and we're going to again include the link to ordering uh, your copy of Queen's Shadow, an awesome book that is out now and we highly recommend you get your hands on and you read before you check out our episode all about it on YouTube next week. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you don't like the physical copy, of course, again, Audible's there if you'd rather listen to it. Uh, Catherine Tabor, um, reads for that, and so if you just want several hours of Padme, uh, in your ears, then there you go. Um, we're also gonna throw up a link to an awesome game, one of my favorite games, and since we're talking about Sam Witwer and, um his awesome work on The Force Unleashed, we thought we'd uh, put up there for you guys if you ha don't already have a copy or if you used to have a copy and don't anymore, uh, or if you just don't have never heard of it, um, put up a copy for the game uh, Force Unleashed. It's one of my favorite games. It's now Legends, the story, but it's about Vader's secret apprentice, Starkiller, and Vader's mission of hunting down Jedi and maybe trying to overthrow his master, the Emperor. It's a really great game, uh, a lot of great action, um, beautiful cinematic and a lot of cool acting, including um, some stuff from Sam Witwer. So if you haven't played it, would like to play it, we'll throw up um, a link to uh, The Force Unleashed that you can get now. You can get the physical copy for um, Xbox or PlayStation, but you can also get it digital. But if you get it digital, you wouldn't be supporting the show. So consider supporting the show. Check out the links in the description. And without further ado, back to the show. Alright, and so back to the Mortis Madness. Uh, I've been informed by my editors that I am no longer allowed to go on George Lucas tangents, so uh, there's that. But Currently um, standing beside you with a broom. <laughs> uh, in looking ahead to the next episode, we are at Season 3, Episode 16, Altar of Mortis. Yeah. Alright, so the moral of this one is, He who surrenders <clears throat> hope surrenders life. Um, Poignant. Yeah. And I talked about that in one of the Monday Motivations because, you know, uh, towards the end of this one mostly is where it de deals with the idea of, I mean, Anakin even says it, which it's one of those things I want to throw in his freaking Darth Vader face later because he's like, there's always hope. Yep. And that's, that's an attitude we should have. There yes. is always hope. Um, and even if you might not yeah. see it. Exactly. There is always hope, even though you may be in a point where you do not recognize that as hope. Right. There is hope. Yeah. There's always something. And so, it, it keep you know, you know, we have to keep moving forward. And, and you know, there's a, there's a, and I talked about it in the Money Motivation. There's a serious sense and then there's a metaphorical sense. And a more metaphorical sense, when we give up hope, life gets stale. If you think life is stale with depression, 
life is even more stale, stale when you give into it. Yeah. Life sucks even more when you let the depression win. And so yeah. there's the metaphorical sense of, you know, don't just give up. Um, but there's also the literal sense. And if you ever feel you're in a literal sense of that much hopelessness, always, always, always reach out for help. Contact somebody. You can contact us at Nerd Herder even if yeah. you feel like you have no one else to talk to. Yeah, talk but, to people who have been there. Yeah. Don't don't ever give over to hopelessness. Don't, don't you know, yeah. don't go down the path of Darth Vader, you know. Yeah. Uh, choose the path of hope. Uh, in, in in some sort of future, yeah. and work it out, you know. Now, yeah. Hoping isn't always enough. Hope is is a belief and it's an action. Mm-hmm. So believe it, and live it. Do you know? Do what you need to do. So, without getting more into the heavy stuff and and whatnot, but um, yeah, I like that. I like this episode title and the next one because you know it's. Altar of Mortis, Ghosts of Mortis. I wish Overlords had a bit more of a, you know, thematic title like that. Mm-hmm. I've always, it's always been a bother to me. Oh, bother. It, it's one of those, you know, weird brain things where I'm like, so the Altar of Mortis, mm-hmm. the Ghosts of Mortis, Overlords. Yes. Mm. It could have been even Overlords of Mortis. I don't know. I'm persnickety. Weekends at Mortis? It's it's one of those things like if you got a trilogy of books and yeah. the last two books had a thematic tag, uh, title, but the first one was just, you know, mm-hmm. hogwash. Okay, That's what, the title of the book. Yeah. Hogwash. Like, what's that got to do with anything? Yeah. I don't know. But anyway. Okay. Now we're done with I'm that. not allowed to have George Lucas rant, so I gotta rant about something, apparently. Yeah, you really don't. Anyway... Uh, before the end, before the Jedi can leave Mortis, Anakin is faced with a vision of himself, except it's really the Sun who wants Anakin to join him, and together they can destroy the Jedi and the Sith. This sounds incredibly familiar. (laughs) Well, and what's funny is how uh, pre-sequel trilogy it is. Yeah. But I just have to appreciate one of my favorite scenes in all of the Mortis trilogy. Yes, I know exactly what you're going to talk about. the son is talking to Anakin, and he he has that same angry inflection when Anakin refuses him that Kylo has in the same sense, yeah. you know, when Rey refuses him, he's like, no, you're still holding, you know, he lets out a lot of anger in that moment. The son does that too when he talks, you know, because the Anakin's response is like, no, I'll never join you, I'm just supposed to destroy the Sith, and he's He's like, you know, he gets angry, and I'm I'm paraphrasing, but you know, he says like, we will destroy the we will destroy the Sith and the Jedi, and he yeah. <laughs> he he leans into his Palpatine, and I freaking love that. I yeah. love that foreshadowing. Um, yeah. And what's even cooler about that is the fact that we you know we mentioned the Force Unleashed earlier. Mm-hmm. In the Force Unleashed, Sam Witwer played Star Killer. Yes. Uh, Vader's secret apprentice. Yes. On set, they, he was like he caught the some of the lines that they were writing for Palpatine. He was like, Palpatine wouldn't say that. Mm-hmm. They're like, what do you know? He's like, he would say something like this, and he would sound like this, and they were like, holy crap, are you Ian McDermott? <laughs> <laughs> and and they they were like, hey, you want to be the emperor? <laughs> and this dude, who's already playing such a cool iconic character gets to play the emperor. Yeah. 
and it's so cool. And yeah. and if you listen to his lines as the emperor, I mean, he really captures Ian McDermott's evil emperor voice so well. Mm -hmm. So um, I thought that was a great use of his portfolio there. Of, yes. Of bending in that little, and I almost wonder was that on purpose? Did Probably. They, you know, I want to know if, like, Dave Filoni's as big a nerd as I am and was like, can you put a little Palpatine on that? <laughs> just, can you pass the Palpatine, please? Can you rub a little palp on that? <laughs> or or if it was just, like, you know, Sam being like, hey, I'm going to do this weird thing and tell me if it works. And, oh, my gosh. It does. It works. <laughs> oh, I, I it's one of my favorite. Yeah. Uh, and it's got a lot of stuff that I want to unpack in the deep dive. but. Yes. <laughs> wait till Wednesday. Yeah, we're also going to talk... I'm going to make you talk a little bit about issue number 25 in the Dark Vader comics. We can talk about some of it. We're going to talk about some of it. We can talk about some of it. Oh. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure... Oh, yeah. boy. <laughs> uh, because I think, you know, in touching on Vader's uh, presence in the Mortis arc, we have to kind of touch on... We, we're going Some to. of that with with Vader. Yeah. Um, and that's a good time to promo. We are going to do a, um, maybe not book by book. Some will be book by book. Some will be arc by arc review of both, uh, the Gillian and Soul, uh, Vader series on yes. YouTube. So if you both fantastic. If you've been wanting our perspective, or if you haven't, but are interested in our perspective on those things, keep an eye on our YouTube. Subscribe if you aren't already so that you'll know when we do post those. Yeah. But yeah, that will go on YouTube. Yeah. But we can touch on it a little bit. Um, so, yeah, Anakin refuses, and so the son uses alternative means. He takes Ahsoka captive and jumps out of the ship. Uh, Anakin pursues, but only ends up crashing their ship near the sun's tower. Yeah, he turns into a turns into a gargoyle. He doesn't do, like, a point-break-style like dive. But... Yeah. Um, that would have been cool. That's a good. That's a good time to bring this up off off script. What did you think about the animal forms of the son and daughter, like gargoyle griffin uh, forms? Did you feel anything? Well, here's the thing: is gargoyles in, you know, I don't know what culture it is, but <laughs> bear with me. Uh, they're usually seen as protectors of buildings. Like, that's why people put gargoyles up on monasteries and churches and stuff like that, because they believed that they would protect from evil. Yeah, and they typically sound like Keith David. You. You. <laughs> you. That was a great show. Um, it, oh my gosh, it, it was. was. such a good show. Such they good have show. Uh, gargoyle Funko Pops coming out. I know, I saw. <laughs> Welcome to just conversations that we have in our house. <laughs> Um, yeah. That's, it's interesting you bring that up, because I think we're, I mean, yeah, it's, I, I, I've interpreted it as, as a gargoyle. Some people interpret it as a bat. Um, yeah, bats aren't that evil either. No, not really. They're sky puppies. Um, it, I think the son's just confused. <laughs> he doesn't know what he is. Um, yeah, I just, I just got curious in mentioning the gargoyle for him, if that's, stood out to you at all. We're not going to talk about what just happened. <laughs> okay. I say things and they don't always come out right. We're don't not going to talk about it. No. <laughs> um, but anyway, so other than uh, just looking like a creepy wizard tower, yeah. uh, Filoni has outright said 
that the tower was specifically based on Saruman's staff from Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Um, and the creature in the sun's lair gives me, I'm not, this is not Filoni, but it gives me Gollum vibes a little bit. I'm sick so I can do it. Gollum! <laughs> Gollum! It, it, it's got, I don't know what it is. I think it's just because he's short, linky, and he's got that, that, that voice, uh, which is also Sam Whitmer. By the way, quit talking so. about me. Right <laughs> Not you, um, but yeah, I don't know. It it gave me very Gollumish or He's a more, The voice sounded almost more Smeagol, but yeah. Either way, it, it it's similar. Yeah, it it gave vibes. <laughs> oh, can I just say, I really hope that. Uh, oh gosh, what's his name? Andy Circus. Andy Circus <laughs> comes to celebration. Mm-hmm. Oh, Hopefully so. I really want him to sign my Gollum. <laughs> it would be nice. I mean, they keep announcing people left and right. So, so. many people. Yeah, so they just people. announced Ahmed Best and um, Aaron Kellerman yeah. today, so that's cool. Uh, yeah. Speaking of the creature. Yes. He comes to Ahsoka and torments her with fears and hopes that she will turn and serve him. But our little Ahsoka is tougher than that, so the creature just straight up bites her. Yeah, it was a little weird. Yeah, that was weird. Um, it's the sun, by the way. Yeah, it's the sun. It turns out to be the sun. I'm uh, not sure where the werewolf dark side transfer infection thing came from. I don't know. Well, you know, Sam Witwer was on Being Human. Yeah. <laughs> but he was a vampire. He was a well, werewolf. he looks like a vampire. So. He does. He looks <laughs> like he wasn't born. He looks like he was chiseled out of marble. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't... I, I mean... <laughs> I get the purpose of it. I get yeah. what what they're going for, but it's also one of those things where I'm just like, "Oh, okay, apparently you can do that." Yeah. So, so. Yeah. Um So, meanwhile, Anakin heads for the Sun's Tower and Obi-Wan seeks the help of the Father. The Son also heads to confront the Father and their exchange, uh the Son attacks him as Obi-Wan arrives. The Son flees as all bad boys do. Yeah. He does a lot of fleeing. He does. He should open a flea market. <laughs> Stop the podcast. No. I don't want to do this anymore. No. I don't want to, I don't want to play with you Keep anymore. moving forward. I'm going home. <laughs> we are home. Anyway, uh, Obi-Wan pleads with the daughter to join forces with Anakin to stop her brother. Instead, she says that she can get Obi-Wan a weapon that is made of pure force and can kill the son. Mm-mm. Hey, Um... So, uh, we then get a, a scene of Obi-Wan descending into the planet with the daughter and crossing through the fire to retrieve the blade, uh, and it's very much reminiscent and taken from the story and imagery of the opera called Siegfried. And I'm not saying this yes. as if I know. Yes. Um, I've only discovered it through research. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, it, it involves the hero, Siegfried, um, crossing a ring of fire to find a Valkyrie named Brunhilde, who is foretold to be the one who would redeem the world. And so it's really not mm. hard to see story elements, um, you know, being metaphors yeah. of each other. And this <clears throat> is one of the episodes where Filoni spends most time emphasizing how they went into it writing and and directing as a metaphor. Mm-hmm. And it's worth knowing that he says that in order for people to grasp why 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 are we taking this artistic choice? Why am I acting this way? Why am I 
you know, for everybody to do their job, basically, he said that there had to be a strong element of metaphor. Yes. Because otherwise, if you take it too serious, it it doesn't hit. Yeah. Uh, and and I get that. I don't think that's a signal from Dave Filoni to take it all as a metaphor or a dream or a vision. Yeah. And, you know, we'll talk about that more in the end of things, but I think more so in a sense it's meant to show that everything they're experiencing is a metaphor. Not that it's not real, but it is a metaphor. Mm -hmm. And obviously the blade is Anakin. Yes. You know, in the overall story, and as we're going to talk about at the end of this episode, it's very clear that Anakin is the weapon, and the weapon is Anakin. Um, Yes. And I think that's both literal and metaphorical. I get very David Lynch vibes from some of this stuff in this. It's like... David Lynch works a lot with metaphors and visual metaphors. Yes. Um, Yeah, I get what you're saying, and I I, I do agree there's a lot of that kind of storytelling. And that's that's why I think Dave had to emphasize that with everyone in their positions to be like, when you're when you're doing this, don't take it too seriously. Yeah, and and I don't and I don't think he's necessarily wanting that to extend to the fans. Like I said, I think it's more so like if you're in the story and you take it too seriously, you're gonna lose it. Yeah, you're gonna lose the point. The point is the metaphor, so treat it like that, because you know, mm-hmm. and, and it just it doesn't take away the realness of it. The blade being a metaphor for Anakin doesn't take away the fact that. Maybe the blade's real. Now, the idea of it being pure force, the idea that Plagueis existed, the book at this point, I I see those connections there, but that's just me, and that's more for the deep dive into the, yeah. you know, wider sense. But um, I like this. Um, I like this scene. I like this metaphor. This is one of the strongest metaphors of the episode, I think. Yeah. You know, is the uh, the blade and the... The altar of Mortis doesn't actually play much part. The altar is where the blade is kept. Mm-hmm. So It would have been a lot more, you know, poignant that it was Anakin if he had to reach through some sand to get to it. <laughs> well, but, and spoiler alert for the deep dive, there's a point to Obi-Wan being the one to wield yeah. the weapon. Yeah. And they're, you know... We're so. going to get there. Yeah. We keep teasing the deep dive, but... Well, because... And, and that's why I said in the beginning, it's it's hard not to touch on things, but for us to really dig into it, that's where that's where the next episode comes in. Yeah. Um, but for the sake of this episode, this is a cool scene, mm-hmm. really cool metaphor coming across here. Yes. And, and cool. I think it's important for us as fans when we watch these episodes to remember it is a metaphor, but it's as real as you want it to be from your point of view. Yeah. Have you ever heard the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? I have. It's not a story that the Jedi will tell you. No. Uh, things begin to escalate very quickly. Um, Escalator! <laughs> Eels. <laughs> uh, Anakin makes it to... If you didn't get that, that was a Spongebob reference. It was. Made by a 24-year-old and a 23-year-old. There you go. We are adults. We pay <laughs> taxes. And we watch Spongebob. And you listen to this podcast. Exactly. So who's the weird one? Right. Still us. Um, so, Anakin makes it to the top of the sun's tower and is forced to face the dark side-possessed Ahsoka. 
uh, inside the tower. Oh, oh the, my phone did a flippy do. Uh, the son and the father face each other, only to be interrupted by Obi Wan and the daughter. It's a whole lot of people. There's a whole lot of people in this episode. It's like Reservoir Dogs in here. I've never seen that movie. What? <laughs> It's one of my favorite Tarantino films. All I know is that one person's a cop. Yep, Tim Roth's character. Tim Roth's a cop. Spoiler alert, sorry, sorry. I thought that was only in like the first sorry. few minutes of the movie. Yeah, but it's still technically a spoiler. Okay. But, yeah, it's Tim Roth. Tim Roth got old, guys. He, he did. <laughs> he did. But, like, not too bad. He doesn't look terrible. No, he still looks like Tim Roth. Matthew Lillard, on the other hand... Matthew Lillard, Goodness. leave him alone. He's he's hilarious. I love him, but that's also why I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> leave the internet stage. Yeah. What has it done to you? Anyway. It's all the Scooby Snacks. Yeah, um, <laughs> probably. And the Mary Jane man. <laughs> <laughs> that was the stupidest part about that movie. That was the stupidest part. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Um. Also, Freddie. Uh, also, Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, the conflict between everyone escalates until, eventually, Ahsoka retrieves the dra- the dragger? The dragger. The dagger, and gives it to the son. He attacks the father, but the daughter jumps in at the last minute, and is killed. Yeah, well, she's left dying. She's left dying. Yeah, she's yes. impaled, though. <laughs> oh, she's look. gonna have to get that looked at. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, I've been impaled. <laughs> I'm in danger. <laughs> I don't have bones. Who? I don't have a skull. I don't know bones. what you're doing now. Olaf. Oh. That's my favorite part of Frozen. Oh. Jeez. I, I've seen swine. I've seen Frozen once. <laughs> I loved it, but I've only seen it once. Yeah. Don't We've judge seen me. Olaf's Frozen Adventure too. Yes. And that was I loved fun. that. That was mm-hmm. great. Um. Yeah. So the daughter begins to die, uh, and the son leaves in grief. Screaming and running away, as, you know, boys be doing. Yeah. Um, and she is dying, and the light side is dying with her. She's not the only one either, as Ahsoka is released from the son's control and is left on the verge of death as well. The daughter decides, however, to sacrifice what is left of her to save our snips. And in the end, the father tells the Jedi that they must leave before the son can escape and wreak havoc on the galaxy. Dun, dun, dun. Wee it's wee. still not over. Because <laughs> nope. it's a trilogy. It's a trilogy. Um, it's a trilobite. But, I I can't say much, but I can say that this stuff with Ahsoka is why I firmly believe that this is real. At least to a point. Because we see it come up later, and... It can only mean that what happened on Mortis happened. Um, and so, I'm again, I'm going to remind people, you know, that you have not seen that and don't know that. But I'm just expressing why I believe Mortis happened. Tom Fullery. N- Jerry Mandarin. That's not his name. No, <laughs> that's not his name either. No. Some shenanigans. But, um, no, we see in Ahsoka's later years connections to Mortis, and so it's one of those things, like, so, if that's happening, that means that happened. You can only lean far so back in suspicion. (laughs) I'm not giving you anything. Shifty eyes. I'm just saying, for me, Mortis is confirmed. Mortis is real. To an extent. 
To an extent. To an extent. Um, is this real life? Is this just fantasy? It's Star Wars. Sick. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, um, I thought this was a really, really good episode because yeah. it got to dig more into the metaphor of what these episodes represent. Yeah. Um, and so, whereas the first one was a lot of mythical setup, this one really got to run with things and, you know, uh, it, it got to be a little, yeah. it, it, a lot of Easter egg yes. in the sense that, hey, you know, this reminds you of this, this makes you think of this, and it, it starts to connect to the greater picture, and it starts to feel like it represents more than just what's happening here, mm -hmm. more than just what's happening on this quote-unquote planet, mm -hmm. and such. And especially with the cliffhanger that, you know, the sun wants to escape. Yes. How will he go and do that, John? With a shuttle. <gasps> Did you have anything else you wanted to add on this episode, though? Uh, this series, man. Uh, well, this this arc has mm -hmm. been great so far, mm -hmm. and I can't wait to talk about the last episode. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think I think um, this definitely gets to show off a lot of the anim uh, animated progression the oh, show's yeah. had. Um, Oh, yeah, there's some gorgeous bits of animation in these episodes. Oh, yeah, and then everything from the way certain shots are framed and everything. Um, to just the daughter, even. Yeah, they worked a lot with the imagery of this. And so I think the visuals are just as important as what's happening uh, in the episodes and whatnot, you know? Yeah. What things look like. and, and uh, Everything has meaning. Every Everything, every, everybody's a suspect. <laughs> um, and I don't think that's... I don't think that's cheap, or I don't think that's conspiracy levels. Or I, I think that's just the way Star Wars is meant to be. Yeah. Nothing's useless, you know. Uh, and that's a big that's a big message of Star Wars, I think. So moving on to season three, episode sixteen, we've got Ghosts of Mortis. The Goats of Mortis. This is one also. I don't really. You don't know why it's called that. Yeah. Altar of Mortis works because there we go to the altar of Mortis. Mm -hmm. Ghosts of Mortis, we don't really have any ghosts. Spooky. So, that's just, that's me. But, the moral for this one is, he who seeks to control fate shall never find peace. That sounds familiar. Exactly. Um, and I don't think this is, because um, I consider doing this one for Monday Motivation. Um, most of it would have just been discussing, I don't think this is, uh, coming from the perspective of you don't have control over the way things go. Uh, because I, I know for a fact that I do, we do, you know, uh, yeah. what you choose to do in a day affects you. Yeah. You know, um, you have the ability to exercise self-control. You have the ability to find help, make things better, change your way of thinking, so forth and so on. So I don't think it's necessarily in that sense. I think... It's more in the sense, if you just try and control everything, if you try and make it as if you are, you know, the god in the clouds that can order everything, and it, it's going to be the way it is because yeah. you said so, mm -hmm. you're going to be very unhappy because you're not God. You, none of us can do that. Yeah. Um, whereas we have self-control. That's not the same as total control. And if you try to go through life like you can control everything, you're going to be disappointed. Yes. Nobody, none of us, none of us have that kind of power. Yes. 
Um, neither does the sun, in, as we see in this and, and whatnot. But there's always a choice. You might not have total control, but you have a choice. See, I have total control. Oh, total control? That's what you said. It's a total. Okay. Get the biscuits out your ears. <laughs> Give me a spoon. Um, but yeah, I think this moral would have worked for the first episode as well, because I think the first moral would have worked for this episode. Yeah. Because we gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna get some hints of Vader. We gonna get some hints. Um, well, Ahsoka works on fixing the ship, which I put in, I, I, t we talked about this briefly, like, why does everyone know how to fix a ship in Star Wars? Uh, well, why does everyone know how to pilot in I mean, Star nobody Wars? has real jobs, essentially, <laughs> except politicians and such. Exactly. So... I mean, you gotta learn something. Yeah. That's more of a joke than an answer, but I think I think with Jedi, it's it's a needed skill because you operate at most in pairs, you know, master mm -hmm. and apprentice. But for the most part, it's also very a lot of solo work, and you need to be able to. It's it's almost like Boy Scout survival levels of you just gotta know certain things if mm -hmm. you're gonna be out there Jediing and you know Jedi yeah. business. It's like. It's like the whole anime protagonist, they have the blue hair, the, the fancy colored hair. If they can pilot a ship, they're a main character in Star Wars. Well, I mean... They're an important I character. Think, I think it's also useful. Yeah. Um, and I like that they give Snips some treatment of, like, yeah. she's fixing the ship. She's yeah. She's a bit getting to be a nice grease monkey, and it's just it's adding layers to her, because we know Anakin knows ships. Uh, Obi Wan, I guess you know we don't. Obi Wan really... doesn't like to ruin his oh, manicure. Obi Wan doesn't like a lot of things, um, but you know it. It, it could have been Anakin, but I think it was kind of nice that it was Ahsoka because just yeah. add something, you know. Yeah, she probably felt bad. It was like, okay, I'll fix the ship. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I, I mean. She clearly knows what she's doing. Yeah. Let, let, let's put it that she's way. She's got so. goggles and everything. She looks so cute. <laughs> oh, yeah. She, she was professional. She looks uh, So Anakin is not convinced that leaving is the right thing. Uh, he decides to go to the father one last time. And the father tells Anakin that he must leave and that he will face his son alone. Um, when Anakin still insists, the father tells him to follow the forces leading. Probably not a great idea. Uh, even worse, when Qui-Gon appears to Anakin and leads him to the well of the dark side to find the answers he seeks. So, <laughs> yeah. for the sake of episode discussion, uh, and we can maybe get into it more later, but do you think this was Qui-Gon? Or do you think it was the sun? We know the sun can pretty much Im imitate whatever he wants. Uh, let's start with that. Do you think it was Qui-Gon? It's all from a certain point of view, so there's no right answer. Yeah. Um, I think that what we know of Qui-Gon mm -hmm. is that he would be one to tell someone to explore all possibilities and seek answers, you know, where you can find them, not just one source. Yeah. And then compare and contrast, that kind of thing, mm -hmm. which is smart. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I also think that Anakin wouldn't know Qui-Gon enough to know that. Ooh, that's a hot take. Yeah. Well, because I think, I think that's interesting because a lot of people love to emphasize that 
the Anakin Qui-Gon relationship, and they had a relationship. It was very brief, though. Mm -hmm. And so... It was like two minutes. Well, not quite, but I do think in a lot of ways, Anakin is more nostalgic for Qui-Gon than anything. Yes. Um, I do think things would have been very, very different. Oh, yeah. If Qui-Gon had gotten to be his master. We've talked about that many times. But that's a different conversation. Um, Yeah. I do agree that what we know of Qui-Gon, he would probably... I, I don't know that he would necessarily um, encourage exploring the dark side, but I can say that he would explore... He would encourage exploring the force... Exactly. Forces leading. Uh, and I kind of have to think that Qui-Gon would also be one to understand that ultimately it's what the Force wills. Yeah. And Anakin will make his choice. Um, and that's kind of a standoffish take of it. You know, you know if Qui-Gon knows he would probably take the dark side, then shouldn't he try and stop him? And, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think yeah. in, in the same way, Qui-Gon would want it to be Anakin's choice. I mean, look how good it goes when people tell Anakin what he has to choose. That he is the chosen one and he has to do it this way and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I, I think... Yeah. I guess it just depends on... We oh, finish. No. Do you think that Qui-Gon thought or understood that things were already being set in motion to reach an ultimate goal? Oh, I have to believe it. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, Qui-Gon's connected to the Force. Yeah. You know, so... He's one with the Force and the Force see, He sees more. Mm-hmm. He has a greater perspective than just what our heroes are seeing. Yeah. So I have to think that there had to be a point for him to want to do that. Because um, at the end of the day, I think I think it was Qui-Gon. And I will admit, I mostly want to think that because I don't want to think of Qui-Gon's image being used in such a way by the sun. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but it could also be the sun. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it's, like you said, it's what you come at it with, what your, what your, uh, point of view is, because it can go either way. Yeah. And I don't think it has much bearing. I think either way, the point is that Anakin had to explore it for himself, and it goes bad. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, boy, I how'd mean, he do it. As you'd expect. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. They... Qui-Gon leads him to the well of the dark side to find the answers that he seeks. Which, mm-hmm. how cool do you have to be to get your own well? I want a well. <laughs> well, apparently you have to be the dark side. Oh, well. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Yeah. Um, so, visiting the well goes about as well as you would think it would. So not well. No, not well. Well, well, well. <laughs> um... Anakin meets the sun and is unwillingly shown his future. In order to stop it, Anakin joins with the sun. Uh, when Obi-Wan is told by the father where Anakin went, he goes there only to find that he is too late. Sounds familiar. Um, Anakin leaves with the sun to take their shuttle and strands Obi-Wan, but Obi-Wan manages to warn Ahsoka. She disables the shuttle and takes uh, the last speeder to rescue Obi-Wan. Uh, the shuttle, the shuttle is useless at the moment, uh, 
the son leaves to retrieve the dagger from the daughter's grave. And he has an interesting moment of remorse and states she was the only true one. She was the only one he truly loved. That's a statement. I think that was interesting. Yeah. I think it was interesting the, w the way they decided to handle the <coughs> son because he's not completely evil. Yeah. If you look at it. You he know, has a point of view. We see the way he reacts when he kills the daughter. Mm -hmm. We see how he reacts to the ending of this episode. And I think that the father's sentiment towards that is very true. And I think, I think you know, I think it is about how you choose to look at it. Mm -hmm. Now, the dark is ultimately the dark without the light. But to assume that all dark is bad, I mean, I'm one to believe that bad things in life can teach us great things um, for the future. So yeah. what we would consider dark actually has a light to it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a way to approach the son a little bit is that he's dark and as the daughter says because of his nature but he is also still the force as much as she is the force so I don't know it's weird but um, I like that they give him those moments where he, he kind of pops out of the evil bad guy vibe a little bit yeah um, meanwhile the father meets with Anakin at the shuttle and realizes what his son has done and undoes it, wiping Anakin's memories away with the vision. So what did you think of the whole Anakin seeing his future thing? I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I think it was needed in the episode, and I think, you know, Anakin was certainly appalled by what he had done but also was willing to still give in to the dark side to try and subvert it which happened in real life and did not go well for him and then having it wiped from his memory makes me think would he have done something different if it hadn't been like do you, would well, it have made a difference I mean the father wipes his memory because he says you know like you can't, I mean, and again, we just, we haven't just watched the episode, but um, paraphrasing, uh, essentially he doesn't want him to know those things because then he can't make the right decisions. Yeah. But he makes the same decisions, so. Yeah. Would it have made a difference? Yeah. Um, <sighs> this one, well, first of all, comparing this to the 2003, because both series felt like they needed a point when he's confronted with visions of his future. Um, how do you think of this one versus the other one? The 2003 one. I mean, I liked the imagery of both. Mm -hmm. They were both really, really nice. Mm -hmm. But I think I liked the Mortis one a little bit better. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I like the 2003 because it's much more metaphorical. Yeah. And so it's much, it's easier to be like, it's easier to know that Anakin saw something that stuck with him yeah. and made him scared of himself a little bit, but it's acceptable for him to be like, yeah, but it's just a vision. I can ignore that. Yeah. With this, it's much, 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 much... She just, she just woke <laughs> herself up. Um, she was having a nightmare. It's much, much more literal. Yeah. 
I wonder if she saw her future was <laughs> appalled by it. Darth Kitty. <laughs> um, I I just I don't know it I. I, I wouldn't say I've always had problems with this. I've just always found it difficult for, you know, it, it's this idea of the chosen one knowing what he chooses. Yeah. Can he still be the chosen one? Yeah. And according to the father, no, but he still choo- makes the same choice, so it's also like, uh, ugh, I don't know. Um, I think that If anything, it's meant to show Anakin's lean. You know, he makes exact same decision of terrible things are going to happen. I have to use the dark side to save it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's meant to show that in this, we can get more into this and move on. Uh, we can get more into this in the main show and move on. I think it's meant to show that he is the chosen one. And that he was always meant to make the choice he made. Yes. I think seeing this from... uh, Seeing this as being given to him from the Force, I think it's meant to show us seeing the story that he was always going to make that choice. Mm -hmm. You know, there was no changing that. And I don't necessarily think that's the Force saying, hey, we're going to kill all the Jedi. I think it's more to say that it was what's always going to happen. You know. I mean, he was the chosen one. He was supposed to be bring balance to the Force, and in a way, his legacy mm-hmm. brought balance to the Force. Right, and, and and that's a big part of what we'll eventually talk about um, with digging into the chosen one stuff. Yes, a bit more. But yeah. I just I just wanted to kind of that that's the only real way I can say it is I just think he was meant to make those choices. Yeah, and I think for. I don't think this teaches Anakin anything. I think it teaches us, the audience, something. Yeah. And I think that's what it is. But that's just me. I'm not telling... Uh, you know, I don't want anybody to think uh, that's. I'm saying that's the way it is. It's just my interpretation is he's not the chosen one because he made the choice. He's the chosen one and he made a choice. And, yes. And we see the Force was telling him slash us what that choice was going to be. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Anakin wakes back up at the monastery and remembers nothing of the vision. Uh, The son and the Jedi soon arrive, and the father gives him one last chance to give up on his evil plans. Uh, When he refuses, the father knows that the only way he can stop the son is to sacrifice himself. So the father turns the dagger on himself and takes his own life. Uh, The son surprisingly shows grief in this moment and embraces his father. This gives the father a bit of peace and sa- as he says there was still good in you before Anakin drives his lightsaber through the sun. Thought was that was a little extra brutal? Yep. I think Anakin has a thing for stabbing people in the back. He really does. <laughs> like, um seriously, dude. You, yeah. You need a hobby. So so just Killing real quick on that. What what did you think of that as the 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 resolution? Um you know cuz I mean the the idea be is supposed to be that Anakin was gonna should be able to just kill the son, mm-hmm. but what did you think about? Oh no, the father kills himself, kind of thing. There must be a sacrifice of balance before the dark side can end. I don't know. Well, I mean, you don't have to. I don't know. You don't have to answer it like 
you're being actually quizzed. I mean... <laughs> I thought it was cool. I thought it was poignant. You know? I th There's probably a deeper meaning in there that I haven't had the brain power to think on. Been hopped up on cold meds. <laughs> you know? Um... I mean, it's all about perspective. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I don't think you're wrong in the sense that... I think I don't think that there ha you had to sacrifice balance to take out one. I think it's more that an, only an act of self-sacrifice could bring peace to the dark side. There you go. That's that's the better one. <laughs> um, and, cause ultimately, and ultimately there's practicality to it. Mm-hmm. The father knows he's the source of power for his children. By killing himself, his son is powerless and therefore can be slain. Yeah. And there's poignancy in the fact that Anakin is the one to slay the dark side. As if Anakin is the one to slay Vader. Yeah. Metaphorically. So. Yes. I thought it, I thought it was... and I thought it was better than if they had just killed the son. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That, yeah. Um, as the father dies, he proclaims Anakin to be the chosen one, but warns him of his heart. Uh, when he dies, the father disappears, leaving only his robes, and there's a naked ghost running around. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at the... Uh, as the world feels eff the effects of all that has happened, the trio wake up in the cockpit of their shuttle, where they are at the previous coordinates of the distress call, and... This time, they can see Rex, but it gets even weirder when Rex says that they've only been out of contact for a few minutes. Uh, oddly enough, the Jedi seem to remember Mortis, though, and they, like us, are all left wondering how much was really r real. And there's an awkward silence in the shuttle. Yeah, well, yeah it's because <laughs> I, I think everybody's just having, like, a just... What happened? Um, what, what happened? So, um... So two questions Yar. on that, and then uh, we'll wrap up and save the rest for later. Yeah. The father says, you know, you're the chosen one. Yes. What do you think of that? Do you think Anakin is the chosen one? Yes. And I think he fulfills his prophecy. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that next time. Okay. There you go. <laughs> That's my answer. Um. Listen to the main show. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. I'm backing <laughs> off. Um, and taking the ending into consideration, do you think Mortis happened? Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. Yes. What? What's your kind of diagnosis of it? So you think it happened. How do you think... Rabies. I don't know. <laughs> Cholera? <laughs> oh my gosh, I said diagnosis, not in the <laughs> literal sense. I know. You know, cholera is a disease where you basically poop yourself to death. Well, yeah, there was a lot of that going around back in the old days. Yeah. So. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I get what you mean. Um, at the end of the day, it made my brain hurt. Um, <laughs> it made me cry. Made me laugh. Mm -hmm. I peed a little bit. Oh, goodness. All right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I'll make sure to put an explicit tag on, on <laughs> the episode. Yeah, sure. Um, but anyway, like, I think it is a great 
visualization of the Force, which we don't get to see very often. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think The Last Jedi did it very well, mm-hmm. but we don't really get to see the conflict mm-hmm. of the Force in itself as a, a shown visually. Right. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's always this Force. It's yeah. never real. It's ethereal. And and yeah, I think there's I think there's a monumental um, task of visualizing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so so, you think that the the mortis. So you think everything was just a visual, physical representation of the force. I believe so. Yes. And that it happened. Yes. Um, Why are you making that face? <laughs> no, I was just thinking. Um, every time that episode, the episode ends, I don't know why, but I, I in the sense of um, Twilight Zone and oh my gosh, that other show, The Outer Limits. The Outer Limits. Oh gosh, I, I, I was I was one of those ones. I loved Outer Limits more. Yeah. That's mostly because that's what came on more for me, but mm-hmm. that's another story. But in the vein of those two shows, I half expect when this episode ends, it's this instance of, you know, they hyperspace out, and then a moment of silence, and then another ship hyperspaces in. Yeah. And it's a whole new group, and they're about to experience the same thing. Yeah. Um, that is just me, yeah. me being weird. I'm not saying that I think that would ever happen or anything. It's just, it, it gives the vibe of... Almost like there's this intersection of reality and force where it's trying to communicate. Like the like the convenience store. Twin Peaks. Yes. So there's a physical representation and yes. then there's this veil that you pass through and all of a sudden you're seeing the world between worlds. Yes. The space between spaces. Exactly. So oh. Crystal Skull. <laughs> that was a movie. Um, and so I kind of, yeah, I kind of see it in that sense. Yeah. Um, and so there's definitely a good bit that Rebels adds to uh, that perspective as well. But Stop teasing me. <laughs> but overall, uh, I've, I've shared my opinion. I think that we have some evidence that Mortis happened and is real, um, but it's also as real as you make it. Yeah. And that's why we're going to dive deep into it, and we're going to see what we make of it uh, on Wednesday. Um, that's I, what you make it. Yeah. Um, I did want to mention one last thing before we close, and that's what most fans think would have made these episodes even more amazing, and I totally disagree with, but... Uh, and it's the fact that Revan... Speak your mind. And um, Revan and Bane, Darth Revan and Darth Bane almost appeared in this episode. <laughs> not that not that Bane. Um, they're, you know, you can look it up. Their character models were conceptually designed, not refined. Um, there's even a story reel scene that you can find on YouTube of when they would have shown up. And essentially, they would have been the puppet masters of the sun the entire time. Mm. Um, and... Ultimately, Dave Filoni talks about it in the sense of it being cut because uh, of how it felt having Sith control the literal embodiment of the dark side. Yeah. And that's the thing, is like, 
the dark side of the Force does not belong to the Sith, just like the light side of the Force does not belong to the Jedi. Right, and so you kind of go against your mythos if you decide to have the wizards controlling the ultimate the magic. magic. Yeah. You know, um, they're users and wielders of it, but not controllers of it. And that's something to understand about the Force, is that it's not meant to be controlled. It's meant to be, you know, you allow yourself for it to, you know, flow through you. And, and you allow it to, in a way, use you more than anything. Um, now, that said, I would have been a big fanboy. I would have been excited to see it, but... I'm glad it didn't happen, especially based on what we know about the Force and all that stuff now. Uh-huh. Because um, I think it would have cheapened the sun and cheapened the, the message and the metaphor of Mortis. Um, but let us know what you think. Did Do you think that Bane and Revan showing up in the episode would have been way cooler? Um, do you think it would have served a point, would have made sense? Or do you think it was the right choice to leave it out? And what do you think about Mortis? Was it real? All that good stuff. Um, look out. We're going to have some Mortis-related uh, Q&As um, going up on Twitter and Facebook for you um, to coincide with our main show. So keep an eye on that so that we can get your A's on the show. Yeah. Um, and also send us your cues if you want. If you have some specific questions, uh, it could be related to Mortis or not. Um, we'll answer those on the main show as well. But in closing, some announcements we've already mentioned, but just to remind you, Mortis Deep Dive on Wednesday, on the main show. Um, so we're really going to stretch it out and look at all the finer details of it and hope to accomplish a lot. Um, yeah. You know, we'll try and do as much as we can in an hour. Um, you'll also be getting a double dose of Clone Wars next week, and that's so that we kind of keep more on schedule. And we're talking about five episodes in total, so it's really like one very long episode than two episodes. But either way, you're getting extra Clone Wars next week, so look out for that. Queen Shadow Review on YouTube next week, so we'll be posting that sometime next week where we go uh, into all the details of what we think uh, uh, is happening in the uh, Clone... Uh, goodness gracious, in uh, Queen Shadow. Um, so, uh, if you have already read it and want our perspective, you can check it out. If you are on the fence about reading it and want to know more about it, just be warned, we are going to not restrain ourselves on spoilers. Yes. Um, that's why we're putting it on YouTube, so that way no one has to skip a show of the podcast uh, to yeah. avoid spoilers. Can I just say, I already love The hand Handmaidens already more than I, oh. I, I did. Well, yeah, uh, and that's a big thing we're going to talk about, is the fact that The Handmaidens get their due... They get fleshed you know, out. They, it's great, because they're much, much more than most people categorize them. Mm -hmm. They're not just servant girls. Especially Sabe. Um, and I think we see a little bit of that in, um, the, uh, Age of Republic Padme. If you haven't, uh, checked that out, please do, because, uh, it's a great little Padme adventure. It features a very true-to-form Padme, um, but there's also some funny bits of her interacting with Dorme, um, and Dorme just being a total BA, uh, yeah. on the mission. It's just, it's really <laughs> fun. So, um, but yeah, so on YouTube, next week, Queen Shadow, and maybe one more video. Um, we're on the fence, but we'll keep you posted if we're going to post anything else. Um, but on Patreon, uh, you can check out our Patreon and see how you can support the show and help us do what we do. We would greatly appreciate it since uh, this is uh, something uh, extra uh, that we do on top of everything else in life. Um, your support would go a long way into making the show happen and making uh, the quality uh, insured and consistent. Um, 
and in the process of your support, you would also get rewarded with an episode of our 10 favorite things about Rogue One. That's going up later this month. Um, we've got uh, two other episodes about Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith on YouTube. Right now, patrons, if you sign up, you can get exclusive access to our episode about Solo, and again, later this month, about Rogue One. So, check out Patreon, see if supporting is right for you, and if you feel, feel led to do that, we would greatly appreciate it, and, and enjoy the rewards that come with it. Other than that, uh, that is it, I think. Yes. So, um, yeah, don't forget Twitter, Facebook. Let us know what you think uh, of the episodes and all that good stuff. Um, keep an eye for some questions about Mortis that we'll uh, uh, include on the show next week, next Wednesday. Um, and, yeah, overall, have a good weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Do yourself a favor. Go look up a YouTube video of the Country Bears. <laughs> eat, sure. Eat, eat your teeth. What? Eat your teeth. Okay. I don't know what that means. Uh, eat your teeth. Okay. You keep saying it. I still don't know what it means. Eat your teeth. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, guys. Well, I've been your herd leader, John Wayne. Eat your teeth. <laughs> and herd mom Megan is somewhere. Uh, I don't know. I don't I don't know. She's deep inside. <laughs> she's she's in the other space. Or what? what's that called from Get Out? The, the sunken place. Yeah. The sunken place. Uh, great movie. You should watch it this weekend, and just in general, do something other than eating your teeth. <laughs> eat your teeth. <laughs> but uh, enjoy your weekend, guys. We'll be back at you on Monday with the Monday motivations. Stay scruffy, and may the force be with you. Eat your teeth. <laughs>